0: I think that if you leave it on the ground, it's going to pollute. If there's water runoff, it will go into the water and it'll cause algae blooms because it has so much nitrogen in it. It has all sorts of pollutants. I mean, reservoirs and play areas are shut down because of runoff from dog waste, nearby dog parks and dog walking. So it can pollute the water. And if you're out in the outdoors and you're hiking in sensitive areas, if you leave the dog waste on the ground, it will cause first of all it'll be a mess and it'll it'll ruin everything around for the rest of the hikers but it'll also even if you just leave it there and you just don't pick it up it's going to attract seeds that are non-native and they're going to propagate there and they're going to take over you know native plants and that's not good for the environment
1: Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, and I'm an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Waste Less Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has the goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of their process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. In episode 112 of the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast, we are going to be talking a whole lot of shit. Our focus today is actually a topic that I care deeply about, and I spend way too much time thinking about because I have three large dogs. It's dog poop. More specifically, we discuss the reasons why we all should be picking up our dog's poop and the best ways to dispose of it once we do. To help lead this conversation, I'm excited to introduce Rose Seaman. Rose is the owner and operator of EnviroWag, a company dedicated to collecting and composting canine waste into safe, nutrient-rich garden soil. She established the company after her extensive investigations into the issue of pet waste disposal in North America. Rose's goal is to educate and guide pet owners in a safe and responsible composting and upcycling of their dog and cat waste. In doing so, she hopes to nudge the world toward a more sustainable future. Well thank you for joining me on the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast today, Rose, this is a topic that I love talking about and is super important and relevant to many, many listeners. But before we jump right into the topic, I'll start with the question that I ask every guest on the show. And it is, what got you interested in the outdoors and spending time outside? And what types of outdoor recreation activities do you participate in today?
0: Well, I've always been interested in the outdoors. I grew up near a park and played all the time in the park. And when I was about nine years old, I taught myself to ride a bike. So I bike ride a lot. I do some hiking, not as much as I used to, but we have a nice wetland near our house and I like to hike around it and kind of check it out and check out the geese and the ducks and all the things there and take my husband around for a walk. And that's pretty much what I do now.
1: Yeah, you live in a nice area for like good casual walks, not like straight up a mountain type hikes. <laughs>
0: All those this park, there there's some nice places around there to hike.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. You just have to drive a little bit maybe to get into them. Yeah. And you're also a co-founder of the Enviro Pet Waste Network, and that's kind of what we're going to be focusing in our conversation around today. So if you wouldn't mind kind of like introducing what that is, why you founded it, and why we should talk about it, I guess.
0: <laughs> sure. The Enviro Pet Waste Network is a resource, essentially. For people who want to keep pet waste out of landfills. And what we do is we we provide information which is fact-based, and we try to connect people with one another, people who are sustainably managing pet waste, either on a small scale, like a household or a large scale, a city, a park. And we try to connect them and have them learn from one another. And the importance of this is that about 10 to 12% of residential waste. By weight is pet waste. So it's not as much as food waste, but it's up there. Food waste is, I think, 24%, something like that. But it's totally neglected. No one wants to think about it. And they're much further ahead in Australia and Canada than we are here in the United States, just because of the way our government is set up and the way businesses run and that sort of thing. But we're here kind of here for everyone to send them the message that if it goes into a landfill, it just becomes methane. But if it can be composted, then it just gives off a little carbon dioxide. And also you don't use a lot of plastic and cat litter. Clay cat litter is not good. I'll talk about cats even though they're not outdoors. But <laughs> 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 Yeah, but that, I mean, yeah. the, the important message is there's a lot of it. There's gonna be more of it because there are more and more pets and it shouldn't be wrapped in plastic and, you know, set in landfills.
1: Yeah, so there's kind of a lot of layers to the pet waste problem, I guess. And so we'll kind of break it down and we'll start with talking about just leaving it outside on the ground. So you're not addressing it in any way. You're not composting it. You're not picking it up to throw it in the trash to go to the landfill. What are the environmental dangers of people leaving dog poop?
0: Yeah. The worst thing is to step in it. Now the worst thing is to step in it and bring it in the house. The worst thing to step in it and bring it in the house and have your kid roll in it. You know? But I mean, I think that if you leave it on the ground, it's gonna pollute. If there's water runoff, it will go into the water and it'll cause algae blooms because it has so much nitrogen in it. It has all sorts of pollutants. I mean, reservoirs and play areas are shut down because of runoff from dog waste nearby dog parks and dog walking. So it can pollute the water. And if you're out in the outdoors and you're hiking in sensitive areas, if you leave the dog waste on the ground, it will cause, first of all, it'll be a mess and it'll, it'll ruin everything around for the rest of the hikers. But it'll also, even if you just leave it there and you just don't pick it up, it's going to attract seeds that are non-native and they're gonna propagate there and they're gonna take over you know, native plants. And that's not good for the environment.
1: Yeah, I feel like the number one recommendation, I guess, to hikers is just to pick it up and carry it out. But then they are inevitably using a bag of some kind and then throwing it in the trash to be collected to go to the landfill. So, between those two options, like, is there a lesser of two evils there? Well, the best thing you could do is dig a cat hole
0: and bury it. That's what Leave No Trace says to do. You dig a hole that's like, six to eight inches deep you put it in with a scooper you know put plastic in there and then you just bury it which is easy to do when the ground isn't frozen otherwise pack it out i had a company called envirowag that encouraged trailheads and doggy daycares and parks to compost dog waste and we actually have a facility that composts it so around boulder there are designated bins where you're supposed to put dog waste and they also offer compostable bags so when someone goes hiking on the trail, they can grab a compostable bag, bring it back and throw it into that bin. Or usually dogs, I know these things, this is silly, but dogs usually poop <laughs> within a quarter mile You know when they're left off. So what you could do is, you could just kind of let the dog run around You know where the trash receptacle is. In our case, it's compostable bag bins or compost bins for the dog waste with compostable bags. You can just let them run around and then pick it up and throw it in the you know compost bin. That way you don't even have to think about it on the trail.
1: Do you think that composting is the best alternative? I know you've mentioned it a couple of times for individuals and municipalities for pet waste. Some do and some don't. Some actually encourage you to flush it.
0: And for instance, in Vancouver, people who have dog daycare centers and who have doggy pickups, you know, who pick up places, they have to take it to water treatment and leave it there. They don't want it in the trash. And there's there are others like Toronto will take dog waste in green bins and they biodigest it. They throw it into biodigesters. So there are a lot of different ways to do it. And just for being at home, you know, when you can compost it at home, you can do all sorts of things at home with it too. But it's such a pain. I mean, what should be happening is that, you know, municipalities like a lot of the ones in Canada, a lot of them, the entire Prince Edward Island picks up dog waste with food scraps and yard waste, and they just compost it. I mean, that's the easiest way. Otherwise, it's pretty much of an effort to get rid of it on your own.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, having the municipality pick up the compost I, like makes the most sense to me, but it's just not available in so many areas, especially in the United States. And so I guess if you were to maybe live in an area like I do where they don't pick up compost of any kind other than yard waste and you can't like mix certain things in there and all this stuff. How would you safely compost pet waste?
0: Well, you could compost it with your compost. If you have a compost turner or bin or pile, as long as you, you know, if you're going to use it on food, you would have a separate one for the dog waste and you would use that for landscaping. That would be like a a soil amendment around your bushes and trees and that sort of thing. What I do is, because I live in Colorado and it's very, very dry, so I compost in a trench and I have a cat, cat waste, dog waste. It's pretty much the same thing. I throw it into a trench and I, you know, compost it. It's sort of a combination of compost and biodigestion, depending on how the weather is. But I put it in there and it turns very nice with food waste and leaves and all that. And then I just use it in spring
1: on landscaping. Yeah, I have heard that before, that it is best to put it on landscaping, like you're saying, because there's the potential to spread disease and things like that, especially if it's not composted appropriately at home. So I'm glad you mentioned that. (laughs) If you are someone that doesn't have the ability to compost so a lot of people that live in apartment complexes maybe wouldn't have room for that type of thing and so they are mostly taking their dog out to a park or on a hike walking them around the neighborhood etc so they are more than likely going to be using waste bags and one big thing that people always comment on if I'm like you should pick up your dog's poop blah 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 they're like well isn't it better to leave it than to send it to the landfill with all the plastic and all these things and i was like neither one is really very good but anyway what should consumers know about the plastic bags versus the compostable bags because that is a big discussion and i know that some people will have heard me talk about this before but the pooch paper
0: well if it's going
1: to a landfill
0: in any case your mind would tell you put it in old plastic don't buy a plastic bag you know but i've kind of come to the conclusion that you should use compostable bags in any case, because you're doing your little bit to help bring down the cost of compostable film when you buy it, as opposed to buying plastic, as opposed to even reusing plastic. At least you're doing your tiny little part to get it out of there. And you're also sort of modeling to people if they care around you. If you're using pooch paper, that's the same as a compostable bag, that's good too. And there's something called oh, sharp bag or something. Anyhow, there there are different things that you can use that are made of paper, just like pooch paper. And at least you're modeling to people that you're doing away with plastic or helping to do away with plastic. So it kind of puts your mind at ease. It goes into a landfill, nothing will deteriorate in there, whether it's plastic or whether it's compostable or whatever. However, my partner in Australia has this really cool thing. She has two big labs and they have a kind of like shoulder bucket thing that she and her partner use, and they use a scooper. And they scoop it, they put it in a bucket, and then they take it home, and they put it in a tumbler. And if you use a tumbler, you don't need, in fact, we have a new webinar out at epwin.org about how to use a tumbler for this. You don't need as much space as a pile, so you could do it like in a patio home or something smaller. You just need to have enough landscaping or a place to put the finished compost. And you know it's finished because it smells good. It smells okay and it looks okay. So you know it's okay for landscape stuff. And also there's bokashi. I don't, do you know about bokashi? I don't think so. Okay. It's using essential minerals, essential, I forget. Anyhow, you make bokashi. You could look it up online. And it's like this granary stuff. And there are actually bokashi buckets that are sold specifically for pet waste you can look that up too and that way you could have a very small space and it actually kind of zombifies any material that's organic it's an old asian technique and then it turns it into this kind of stuff that's really good for the ground it's like fertilizer and you can pour it on you know on all sorts of plants you can use the anyhow it's a long process bokashi that's another thing you can do also, worms, you can use worms, vermicompost, if you're into that sort of thing. But all these things take effort. And if you're going to have a worm farm under your sink, you're going to be really dedicated.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've never like met anyone that has used a worm farm specifically to compost pet waste. Like I've mostly heard of it, like they'll do the trench method like you're talking about or the tumbler. But I'll be sure to look up Bokashi, some information online. So if people are interested in it, I can link some resources in the show notes
0: okay and we do have a webinar up there about vermicomposting pet waste
1: oh cool yeah I'll have to check that out pwn.org I lost my train of thought because you were talking about Bokashi and I was like what is that so (laughs) (laughs) okay let's see I think I was going to ask you about explaining in a little bit more detail some of the differences between the plastic and compostable bags And then also explaining like the process of releasing the methane in a landfill and why that's bad.
0: Okay, about 14% of the methane that goes into the atmosphere is from landfills. And methane is a very powerful greenhouse gas. It's like many, many times more powerful than carbon dioxide. And it dissipates fairly quickly, but it's changing the climate. It's heating the earth. So there are lots of sources of methane a lot of it is fossil fuel production and whatnot but landfills is part of it and if you put your pet waste in a landfill it will start to seep out like all the rest of the other organic matter and become methane and manure is particularly powerful for methane so now plastic is constructed very different than compostable you know it's made from fossil fuels and you know it seals things in much more it doesn't decompose and there are things called biodegradable that are not compostable and that just turns into little flakes. So it's kind of microplastic. It's almost worse than plastic because things eat it and stuff, you know. But compostable really degrades right back into the earth again. There's also something called home compostable or yard compostable. And those are the kind of compostable bags that can compost outside a commercial facility. You can do it at home and it degrades better. Or, a new trick that we kind of found was that you can get a vegetable bag, a compostable vegetable bag, bio bag makes them, and they're so thin, you can pick them up, double them over, and they will also compost, you know, in a yard or tumbler situation. Isn't this exciting?
1: <laughs> it is. No, I love all this information. It is really great to know. Yeah, I weirdly do like talking about pet waste, so this is <laughs> this is fun for me <laughs> to learn all of this. And i did like that you added the distinction about the at-home compostable versus like the industrial compostable facility so like when we're looking at the labels if you are going to buy pet bags would it just say that on the package
0: it would say compostable it would say astm 6400d and you know it's compostable now in the united states i had mentioned that composters don't want to take it i mean Composters have their hands full with all the packaging and all the compostable utensils that don't you know, decompose. The last thing they want is people throwing a lot of pet waste in and plastic. So there would have to be a lot of education, both of composters, knowing that it's all right, and of people to know that you only use scoops and paper and compostable bags, and that would be an enormous step. They do it in Canada, they do it in Australia. But, you know, here, if a composter says no, it's okay. Okay, no. And then everybody's sort of stuck with it.
1: Yeah, it's not very streamlined in the United States. It's kind of just up to every single location to make those decisions on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes it hard for people to know what they should be doing or how to do it correctly as well. And
0: funny, in New England, they do it. In New York, they compost it at a couple of dog parks in Brooklyn. Three now, I think, have composting dog parks. And I understand Vermont, Cape Cod, you know, different places accept it. But that's because people say, we want to do this. And they go to their council meeting and they say, next contract, make sure that the garbage people take it. But, you know, it's, it's political will. If there's no political will,
1: then, you know. Do you think that is the best way for individual pet owners to help in the cause for a cleaner environment in regards to their pets is to kind of like become involved and really push for those systems? Advocate
0: for them. And it's terribly frustrating because I've done it and I do it. And sometimes it's just, I mean, sometimes it's just some county thing will just shut it down. Somebody just doesn't like dog waste or something. You know, it's, it's just so frustrating because there's no central I mean we have an EPA EPA leaves it to the states the states leave it to the cities or whatever or counties it's just it's just sort of sloppo all over the place nobody knows who's regulating anything whereas say in I don't know about Canada but I know in Australia they have councils they have zero waste people who they pay like bureaucrats to go in there and look at this and make suggestions and write reports and You know, they're kind of progressing with this because they have a more centralized way of dealing with it. But here it's just like a big patchwork. I mean, we're a great country, but in terms of recycling, pet waste and that sort of thing, it's kind of loosey-goosey.
1: Adventuring plans on your calendar? Remember to grab your lava linens travel towel on your way out the door. Founded by a mother-daughter team, Lava Linens crafts durable, luxurious travel towels as a more sustainable and better performing alternative to microfiber and cotton towels. Powered by flax, hemp, and Tencel, they're designed to be by your side for years to come. Use the code Outdoor Minimalist for 15% off your next order. Yeah, how do you think that, this is gonna be a big question, but how do you think that pet waste management can be improved then? in the United States specifically cuz you've given some good examples of like where they're doing things well.
0: Yeah, model those places. There's a place in Battery Park has three dog runs and they compost their dog waste. Marsha P Johnson Park in Brooklyn compost their dog waste. Brooklyn Heights just started using tumblers to compost their dog waste. I know that in Vermont, Brattleboro, the composter there said, "Oh yeah, I'll compost it." But just model those places, that's all. And, you know, you just can't go model Canada. Many, many provinces in Canada and many towns have said that they don't want to deal with it. They want to put it in their green bins. And so what you do is you go there, enough people insist on doing it. And there are little towns in Canada where people did this and it's all on our website and they say, you know, we want to put our pet waste. This is ridiculous. We're wrapping in plastic and putting it in trash. Why don't we have it in our green bin? If you even have a green bin, we don't even have a green bin. But if you have a green bin, why can't we put it in there? And enough people say that, and then they get some of their council people, some of their parks department people on their side, and then they decide they're going to do it. Next time they put the contract out, they'll say, okay, we're putting out an RFP. We want dog waste included in it, pet waste, cat litter. Some of them take cat litter. We want it in there. And then the municipality puts it out and says, okay, who's gonna do this? It's open field now. And then the composter says, maybe they get competition. Somebody wants that town. And they come in and say, okay, well, we'll take the Pellies. And then the original contractor will say, oh, we'll take it too then. We have the roots and we know all this. And oh, for heaven's sake, yeah, we'll do it. You know, if they know. On the other hand, there are places that don't have competition. So it's harder, but I think you can put pressure maybe on them. I don't know how if there's no competition, but it's different from situation to situation. But
1: advocacy,
0: having it in green bins is the best approach.
1: And that process of just kind of like getting enough people to back you and then bring it to the council and then the municipality, is that kind of like the general process that you have gone through in the past? No, I approached it in a different way. I started in Virowag,
0: which composts dog waste, about 15 years ago. And I went to Boulder, and Boulder is known for being green. And they have a dog friendly dog park. They're friends of Fido. And I know some people in Boulder, and they knew some council people. It took like four or five years to get it started there. I started actually with doggy daycare centers going up to Boulder. And then I'd go to council meetings, and people who I knew would talk to people. And, you know, anytime there's a chance to get up and talk about it, they did it. And then finally, boulder parks and open spaces and boulder the city of boulders dog parks put it in their budget because enough people wanted to do it so they budgeted it for our partner pet scoop they go up and they pick up the pet waste and then take it to us to compost it so they pay for composting and then by golly when they did it other cities near them wanted to do it because if boulder does it and they're so green and that they have this reputation and now they want to do it so we've got like three or four other towns around it whose dog parks are now being composted but that's all that we can do in terms of capacity but that's one way to do it it's just up to you know local officials and people just don't see it Mm -hmm. it's invisible 14 percent of residential trash is not counted by the epa as residential trash they talk about shoe leather but they don't talk about dog waste and how much there is. It's just not even on the charts.
1: That doesn't make any sense because so many people have dogs. All the dogs are going to the bathroom. Like if all the humans were throwing their waste in the trash for the landfill, I feel like everyone would be talking about that.
0: We, we did a little math on that and we found out that there's as much dog waste now as there was people waste in 1959 in the United States. Gross. <laughs> That's a lot of dogs. A lot. Yeah, and like, we had sewer systems for people, we didn't, you know. I mean, it's kind of very disgusting and in many, many ways.
1: (laughs) So that's all good information. And you have a ton more information on the Enviro Pet Waste Network website. And I'll be sure to like kind of browse through that and link a couple of things because I also want to kind of like change a few things where I live about how pet waste is dealt with because it is getting really bad in some areas. So I'll have a lot to learn on there as well. I'm excited to read more about it. But if you were to like, say, for the listeners that have dogs, what would be the number one thing that they could do with their pet waste to keep the environment cleaner? Of course,
0: the number one thing is to pick up. Let, that's <laughs> yeah, but people still don't do it. That's just a no brainer. They, they, they should. It's, it's just not responsible. You're supposed to be 100% responsible for your pets. That's what goes in and what comes out. You know, you can't just do the good stuff. You know, it's like a marriage. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you have to be responsible adults, essentially, or parents. You know, you can't just, you have to be like that with your pet. Okay, you have to pick it up. If you can pick it up, if you can use a compostable bag, that's great, because you're at least helping the compostable bag industry. We're going to get rid of, we're going to have plastic bag bands. we got to be able to have inexpensive compostable bags in the future. So think down the road about your kids and grandkids and stuff use compostable bags if you can if you have property if you're able compost it you know you can bury it around your hedges just so nobody picks it up throw it in there you know i had a coworker who had a little dog if you have a little dog, it's not a big deal throw it under the bushes throw leaves on it in the winter it's gone you know and in australia all of i think all of south australia has banned bags Plastic bags, and there are also places oh, around Melbourne they have a big modern water treatment center and they tell people to flush it, just flush it. The problem with flushing it if you call your local water treatment center, they'll say, "Oh no, no, don't do that And it's the problem is capacity. If everybody threw their dog waste in there, they'd have to build a new water treatment plant or expand it, which would be extremely expensive. It's no dirtier or worse if it goes through treatment that's tested, it's the same as people. You know?
1: Well, that should be a testament to how much dog waste there actually is, if they would be worried about the capacity if everyone was flushing the pet waste. Yeah. I know that there's a ton of resources on your website, like we mentioned already, but would you be able to share any other ones for listeners that maybe want to learn more about this or the dangers involved with leaving it on the ground?
0: Oh, gosh. If you go to Leave No Trace, I would suggest that. They have this thing where they have a cattle contest and they have little kids running around with plastic poop. Barry. <laughs> that they encourage it so much you know there are so many sites and there's so much bad information and everybody's trying to scare you to death like the agencies like it's nuclear waste you're gonna die you know because they don't want people to be sick okay that makes sense and then you know the pet pickup places are scaring you because you don't want it on your lawn we'll come and pick it up because it has guardia and it has e-coli and it has a they'll have whole lists of whip worms and things you know and that that scares people to death but you know i can't think of the epa has almost nothing but if you go to a reasonable place you know like a veterinary place or a hospital or something like that but otherwise there's just a lot of junk
1: okay I'll just be sure to share, like the Leave No Trace, like you mentioned, and then your website as well. And so listeners know what it is. How can they learn more about you and the Enviro Pet Waste Network? How can they learn more at the website? EPWN.org. Do you have any social media or anything like that? Or is the website the best way to contact you? We have a Facebook page, we have
0: X Twitter. <laughs> X Twitter. <laughs> um, We don't necessarily keep up with it, but there's some interesting posts on there. And the website is, oh, it's just, it's a trove of everything you've ever wanted to know. Ideas on how to advocate, all sorts of stories. You know, like I was telling you about Canada, I was telling you about Australia, places in the United States, New England, Battery Park. All those stories are there under featured stories, and they're even sorted. And you can get all sorts of ideas about how to do it at home, we even have a kind of like a flow chart. Do you have an apartment? Yes, no. Do you have a house? Yes, no. How much effort do you, know, do you want to put into it so that you can arrive at, at a way to do it, the best way to do it if you want to put effort into it. So it's just chock full of information.
1: Awesome. Well, this whole episode is filled with a ton of information that is useful for both dog and cat owners. For some reason, I forgot what. Cats were called for a second, <laughs> and I just want to thank you for sharing all of that. Is there anything else that you wanted to add that maybe we didn't have a chance to talk about yet?
0: Gosh, I don't know. I think you pretty much covered it, Meg. Awesome. Well, I'll be. Although, they, like, yeah, like you said, there's more there. Yeah, yeah, but
1: that's what your website is for. You can even do word searches. Yeah. Well,
0: thanks for a chance to talk
1: about this. Not everybody wants to hear about my husband <laughs> being one of them. I know uh, people do get tired of me talking about dog poop, too, but someone's got to say it. And we're glad that you're around and you created this network for people and these resources, because like you said, there's a lot of bad information out there. So it's good to have a platform where we can find helpful information because it's different everywhere in the world. (laughs) Trying to be science based and always trying to update it. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book on YouTube or subscribe to our weekly newsletter at theoutdoorminimalist.com for even more updates, other educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with the shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.